Good afternoon, and welcome to From Where We Are. I'm Jack Waterman, coming to you live from Studio B and USC's Annenberg Media Center. And I'm Nicholas Din. From Where We Are brings you stories of news and culture through the lens of USC and Southern California. It's Monday, October 3rd, 2022. On today's show, the Supreme Court is back in session to discuss an array of key socialist issues, such as affirmative action, as well as voting and gay rights. There are five people who can have huge control. Brazilian elections head to runoff in late October that will define the potential future of the country. And we take a look at the effectiveness of USC's sustainability initiatives to kick off Earth Week. All that and more after these news headlines. From Annenberg Media, I'm Nathan Elias. Ukraine continues to push Russian forces out of their territory. The Ukrainian military has regained control of the key city of Lyman. Despite this, Russian legislature has moved to process President Vladimir Putin's decree to annex four areas of Ukraine. The death toll from Hurricane Ian has passed 100 people. Estimates place the damage at around $70 billion. Ian is estimated to be one of the five costliest storms in U.S. history after all damages have been assessed. I'm running for mayor because the city we love is in a state of emergency. And now I'm running for mayor to meet today's challenges, crime, homelessness, and the soaring cost of housing. A poll by the UC Berkeley Institute of Governmental Studies found that Rick Caruso has managed to narrow the distance between him and Karen Bass to three percentage points among registered voters, with Bass leading 34% to 31%. However, amongst likely voters, the poll shows Bass still leads by 15%. In the race for Los Angeles County Sheriff, Retired Long Beach Police Chief Robert Luna leads incumbent Alex Villanueva by 10 points among likely voters. Still, more than one-third of voters remain undecided on the sheriff race. Gas prices in Los Angeles County hit a record high today, with a gallon of regular gas going for $6.467, according to data from the American Automobile Association. Gas in LA has gone up by almost 60 cents in the past week. Food prices could also be on the rise. The local poultry industry is being hit by the recent bird flu outbreak in Southern California. Poultry operations have been halted across the region, with farmers having to kill many chickens and turkeys. Those are some of the top headlines in the news. Welcome back to From Where We Are. If you'd like more information on the upcoming mayoral race, then be sure to check out ATVN, Annenberg's live TV show. I'm Jack Waterman. And I'm Nicholas Din. Hot issues and controversial topics are up for debate. The U.S. Supreme Court is back in session after the polarizing overturn of Roe v. Wade. With newly elected Kintaji Brown-Jackson, the Supreme Court of the United States will discuss issues ranging from gay rights to affirmative action to voting laws. Julia Zara has more on the story. The curtains lifted today on another blockbuster U.S. Supreme Court term. Justices on the court may be trying to find a new normal after their decision to overturn Roe v. Wade lit a summer of protest and partisanship. A New York Times poll found 62% of registered voters disapprove of the Dobbs decision, with 30% in support. Opposition is even stronger among women. Adam Winkler teaches law at UCLA. The Supreme Court is moving in a very severe rightward direction, and on many issues, out of line with the American people. Looking ahead to the new term, the justices will hear a flurry of consequential cases. These include Morvey Harper, which will debate state authority in federal elections, 
Merrill v. Milligan, which deals with racial gerrymandering, and Students for Fair Admissions v. Harvard. That one could impact university admissions processes, says Jessica Levinson. She teaches constitutional law at LMU. There's also a big question about affirmative action and whether or not the Supreme Court will allow colleges and universities to consider race as a factor when it's making admissions decisions. The new term is the first for the first African-American woman on the U.S. Supreme Court, Justice Ketanji Brown Jackson. Jackson replaced a fellow liberal justice, so her votes may not change many Supreme Court decisions. But her influence will be felt, says UCLA law professor Adam Winkler. It is possible that through her persuasive power, she may make an impact perhaps in how the court writes its decision ending race-based affirmative action because of her own experience as a racial minority and as someone who's experienced racial discrimination. But that influence is likely to only be marginal. Though SCOTUS may appear far removed from the average Joe, Winkler believes that the cases on the table are relevant to all Americans. I think everyone should care about the Supreme Court decisions because they do fundamentally reshape the law. And we all live in a society governed by law. In the context of the Dobbs decision, LMU's Levinson echoes this sentiment. So I think some people certainly will pay more attention to the Supreme Court now understanding that there are five people who can have huge control over our lives. The new term opens as trust in the Supreme Court and its job approval ratings are at historic lows. In a recent Gallup poll, for the first time, just under half of Americans expressed trust in the Supreme Court. For Annenberg Media, I'm Julia Zara. The first round of elections in Brazil this weekend ended in a stalemate, with no definitive winner declared. Far-right incumbent President Jair Bolsonaro surprised many experts and pollsters and performed far better than they had predicted. But former left-wing president Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva, known as Lula, still won most of the votes. With no clear winner in the first round, a runoff for the presidency of Brazil will be held on October 30th. Nicole Bednar has a story. Incumbent Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro faced against Luiz Inácio Lula for Brazil's presidency this past October 2nd. National polls predicted Lula to win with ease, but Bolsonaro managed to pull in enough votes to narrow the gap to five percentage points. With no candidates getting a clear majority of the votes, the election will be decided with a runoff on October 30th. With 212 million people, Brazil is the fourth largest democracy in the world and the 10th largest economy. The sheer size of the country makes this year's election a key moment not only in the history of the country, but on how Brazil will interact with the world moving forward. With Bolsonaro having led Brazil with right-wing policies and Lula having been involved in several scandals during his previous presidency, Carol Wise, a professor of political science and international relations at USC, believes that the decisions Brazilians will have to make is highly polarizing. Do you want a convicted crook who got off, or do you want somebody that's plowing down the environment, denying COVID, eradicating human rights? This election comes amongst a recent wave of Latin American countries electing left-leaning candidates across the board. But Brazil seems to be more torn between the two sides. Wise points out that this division can be attributed to the current divisive political climate that can be seen throughout the world. Brazil's problems are not unique in the region, 
But unfortunately, I see this is the country that has been most influenced at the elite level by Trumpism, and it's really sad. However, Abraham Lowenthal, the founding director of the Latin American program at the Woodrow Wilson Center in Washington, D.C., believes that although some might think this is a close race, calling conservatism and Bolsonaro the winners of this first round would be misleading. Well, he was 5.2% of the vote behind Lula, and that translated in votes to 6.2 million votes behind. So it's not like he was on his coattails. I mean, he lost decisively in, in this round. On the other hand, Lowenthal believes that if Lula and the liberals achieve victory on October 30th, that doesn't mean that liberalism in Latin America is a uniform, homogeneous bloc. I think that would be an overreading of the situation now. I think each of these countries is different, and, uh, and each of these leftist-oriented uh, uh, parties and politicians are, are different. However, regardless of the polarizing discussions surrounding these topics, the people that are impacted the most are Brazilians, most importantly, the lower-income classes. Brazil is a very unequal country, replete of inequality. João Pedro Aguiar de Sousa is a Brazilian student at USC. And of course, always, no matter if the candidates left, right, center, up or down, the people who are almost always impacted the most are people from lower socioeconomic classes, and that goes without a doubt. Lower-income Brazilians would suffer the most from any violence, which some people are afraid of before the October 30th runoff. Both Brazilian candidates have their baggage. Rodrigo Biacchini, a Brazilian USC student and member of Brasa, believes people within the country are voting not for something, but against. It's really important to, to really go deep into the discussion and not be blinded by the A versus B uh, narrative. Like it's either this or that, because in many situations, uh, people uh, would vote for Bolsonaro or for Lula because they don't want to see the other one. This is a sentiment that can be echoed in democracies around the world. For Annenberg Media, I'm Nicole Bednar. I'm Jack Waterman. And I'm Nicholas Den. It's 10 minutes past the hour. We're glad you're with us for From Where We Are. Coming up, USC Green Week says, Does the Reality Match the Hype? And a conversation on student mental health. Don't hold yourself like that. Today, USC kicked off their second annual Green Week. The entire week will be filled with a multitude of sustainability-focused projects and events, so make sure you get involved if you can. With USC's recent sustainability efforts, we thought we'd get students and staff to share their thoughts on how the university is doing with achieving their goals. Veronique Louis-Jacques has more on the subject. Today officially marks USC's second annual Green Week. The entire week involves a variety of projects and activities centered around sustainability and kicked off with Arizona State USC zero waste football game over the weekend. During the game's halftime, President Folt made a video addressing USC's continued efforts to promote sustainability. But this is just one of the many ways USC hopes to celebrate the sustainability-focused event. As USC dining halls serve a meatless menu, and the USC Peace Garden encourages students to volunteer. Green Week goes hand-in-hand with Assignment Earth, a holistic commitment to addressing the impacts of climate change and creating a more sustainable future. The initiative seeks to accomplish multiple sustainability goals, including climate neutrality by 2025, 
diverting most of USC's waste from landfills, reducing our water use, and doubling sustainability research. Sarah Steinecker, chair of the Campus Infrastructure and Sustainability Committee, highlights working directly with the university's sustainability staff and commends the university's efforts. I do sit on the president's working group on sustainability, so I do get to see the presentations on it, and I'm very excited for what this university is going to be doing because I think we are making a very big effort to make sustainability one of our core points, and I think the Assignment Earth Project will help us get there. Mark Ganji, a USC professor who lectures on sustainability and the environment, says he has also seen improvements in the way that USC approaches sustainability. Seems like they're doing really well. Um, you know, what happens is when you, you know, let's say looking at the school's waste stream, which seems to be a big, a big part of, of what they're doing, right? And, uh, you know, just having those different containers and talking about it really brings it into the minds of everyone on the campus and, and will change behavior. Genji also complimented USC's commitment to prioritizing sustainability in and out of the classroom, putting it at the forefront of the university's vision. You know, exactly what the school's doing to be more sustainable, it's how it's using that as a teaching tool and engaging, you know, the, the minds of, of, of our uh, school population. But despite these recent strides, students continue to have their criticisms. Connor Castillo, co-director of the Environmental Student Assembly, expressed his concerns. I'd say they are definitely putting in a lot of effort to reach net zero waste by 2028 um, to coincide with the Olympics. My only fear is that some of the goals that they put out are a bit too broad or general. And I think that the roadmap to get there um, for many who may not be within like the Office of Sustainability or who just may not know a ton about USC's goals, like wouldn't really know how exactly we would get from point A where we are now to point B in 2028, where we're hopefully at net zero emissions. The university's sustainability is a priority. In an email sent out on Thursday, Mark Dalrymple, USC's chief sustainability officer, made several announcements on sustainability efforts, including a postdoctoral fellowship program and a new sustainability data hub. As President Foltis said, we're all in this assignment together. For Annenberg Media, I'm Veronique Wijak. A recent poll commissioned by the California Endowment, a statewide health foundation, looked at mental health among 18 to 24 year olds. The poll found that more than three quarters of young adults surveyed reported anxiety in the last year. More than half experienced depression, and 31% reported suicidal thinking. Meredith McCabe spoke with Annenberg Media's health and wellness editor, Alexandra Donovan, about mental well-being among college students. Here's what Alexandra had to say about the poll's sad revelations. Unfortunately, it's not really surprising. It's really difficult these times, especially with COVID. I feel like... I didn't have a senior year, and I was just talking about this with my friend yesterday, and I lost prom, and I lost all those things, but I was also really lonely and confused, and it put me in this really weird place where I wasn't a high schooler, but I also didn't feel like I was in college, and just kind of a lot of anxiety about going into my freshman or sophomore year, because it was my first time on campus. I didn't know anybody, and I wasn't living in the dorms, so I wasn't sure how I was going to make friends if people had already made friends who were living near campus. So 
I had felt stress and anxiety from that. And just talking to my classmates honestly made me feel better because I realized that everybody else was going through this too. We can look at ourselves and say, oh, we're not wearing masks anymore, but that doesn't change what happened. And maybe we're COVID clear for the moment, but I feel like we're all still feeling those symptoms. So outside of COVID, from your experiences just as a college student and a young adult, what else do you think could be contributing to this phenomenon of of high incidences of um, mental illness? I think I know it sounds really cliche, but social media Mm -hmm. has played a really big role in it. The false advertisement of what people's lives are looking like. And I even saw that when I was actually home before school started, I would watch people on campus hanging out, doing their own thing. And it's just not representative of reality and what was really happening. And I thought to myself like, oh, I'm not enough. I don't have these things. I don't have this friend group. Meanwhile, these people or these people are super happy. Meanwhile, that was just not the case. The poll also uh, also looked at kind of the solutions or lack thereof in place for people who are struggling with their mental health. Um, and it and it said that nearly half of those who wanted to seek mental health care said that they had been unable to do so. And many attributed that to the lack of access or the expensive costs of it. So what suggestions or tips do you have for people who might be struggling? I know speaking to a therapist or speaking to a psychologist, uh, it's kind of scary for a lot of people. And they're like, Am I going to get what I need? Is this stupid? Is this, does this even work? I think I've had those thoughts myself. But I think putting yourself down on the list and just trying, especially because it's under USC and just putting your name down and trying to get an appointment. They even have like small sessions where they're like 30 minutes and you can just, so, it's like, I think they call it problem solving. I don't even think it's called uh, a therapy session. And basically, you can just sit down and talk about this one problem in your life. And just to get a taste of what it's like, I think that's super important. We also have a crisis management line for USC that you can call at any time um, if you need that direct access. Because I know sometimes it's difficult um, to get an appointment at USC um, and just in general. Okay, thank you so much for sharing those. Those are Those are really helpful. And I think... Students will really appreciate kind of knowing where those resources are. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. Again, that was Alexandra Donovan, Annenberg Media's health and wellness editor. And that's all we have time for on today's From Where We Are. Valeria Diaz and Meredith McCabe produced today's show. As well, we had help from Jacob Wheeler, Annie Bang, Monica Esquivel, and Lori Carrillo, with headlines written by Nathan Elias. Derek Renfro composed our theme music. We are also streaming live on YouTube at Annenberg Radio News. Subscribe to From Where We Are, as well as ARN Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Annenberg Radio. I'm Jack Waterman. And I'm Nicholas Din. For all of us at Annenberg Radio, wherever you are, We hope you'll join us again for From From Where Where We We Are. Are. Gas prices are low or high. It's it's green week. Got to walk to class. Take a bike, right? Don't spend all your money.